Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Ah, we have a brilliant show for today with a fantastic guest. Professional FEI dressage writer Adam Steffens joins the show. Dressage is a form of competitive horse riding and became an Olympic sport in 1912. Dressage is extremely elegant and requires many years of training to master the artistry. On today's episode, Adam chats about the physical challenges that come with competing, and he also reflects on the slings and arrows that he faced during the last year. And finally, Adam talks about how playing the piano, which is another passion of his, is beneficial to his riding career. Really, really enjoyed this conversation with Adam. He's incredibly intelligent, charismatic, and meticulous to detail. And I think that carries over in his love of dressage, his elegance as a pianist, and of his care of his animals, which include his poodles and a macaw. Thrilled for everyone to meet him. So let's go ahead and bring on dressage competitor, Adam Steffens. And let's learn. When did you initially become interested in horses? Uh, well, I guess when I was a little kid, my mom rode when she was growing up. So when me and my sister were really little, my mother had two just Western quarter horse kind of things. And we'd go to the barn with her and do trail riding and stuff. And I guess that's kind of what started it. And then she eventually sold those horses. And because we had four kids in the family, so it got busy. And we, we didn't have horses for probably till I started riding again when I was like seven years old. And uh, yeah, so... I guess my mother is the reason why this whole craziness started. Awesome. So when did it turn from an interest that you had to dressage being something as a potential career? Um, so I started riding at like a local riding school and what they did there was dressage. Mm -hmm. And um, my mom wasn't about to let us do any kind of show jumping or three day eventing. So it was pretty much we rode dressage or we didn't really ride. So that's kind of how that started. And then we moved to when we decided we wanted to be more serious and stuff about showing and riding more, we moved to like probably what was the most best dressage barn in um, the area I grew up in. And that's when I kind of realized what it could be. And the, the people who owned the barn had like a tax store and they also ran horse shows. So we did all the horse show entries in the upstairs of the barn. And um, he had a little TV with a VHS player on the bottom of it. And he had two videos up there, um, one from the 2002 World Equestrian Games and also the 2000 Sydney Olympics. So I would sneak up there all the time and watch those videos. And sometimes I would take them home with me. And uh, <laughs> that's when I realized it could really, you can really do some really cool things. And then in 2005, my parents took us to the World Cup final, which was in Las Vegas. It was the first time the World Cup had been here in a long time. And that's when you got to see like hundreds of thousands of spectators. And that's when I really realized you could make a career with it. Yeah. So, How did your, yeah. your Western background of riding, how did that help you in starting dressage? Or did you have to completely start over and learn new skills? Uh, yeah, so like when we just rode when we were kids, it was more just like, you know, get on and kind of like, like being on like a trail ride with like a group, you just yeah. kind of 
get on and go. So I didn't really know anything about any sort of horsemanship or even really that dressage existed then. So when we started our dressage lessons, it was completely starting from scratch, learning how to hold the reins and post and, you know, eventually started in the walk and eventually trotted, eventually cantered. And then you're still to this day developing skills. What's a typical training day for you? And then with that, what's the aspects of training that is done on the horse? And what are some of your aspects of training that you can do without the horse? Um, so I start really early. I'm usually at the barn at 7.45 in the morning. I actually have made some major changes in what I'm doing with my career this year. We can talk about that later. Um, but I, I train a lot of riders too. So in the morning, I start right away. I have a, a girl who's an elite junior rider. She's doing international competitions and stuff now too, CDI competitions we call them. So I usually start with her in the morning before she goes to school, training her from the ground. She's on the horse. And uh, she just had a really successful Global Dressage Festival, which we're on the last two weeks of now. And from there, I start to just kind of work through my day and, and start riding. So usually each horse is rode for like 45 minutes. And depending on the level of the horse, it just depends on what we're going to do with them. But each horse works pretty, um, pretty good in the ring for four days a week. And then two days a week, they'll have a session where they're long lining from the ground or out for a trail ride or just something to give them a break from the from the ring so during this time of year this is when we're busiest because we have something here called global dressage festival it's one of the biggest horse shows in the world all winter long so people from europe and everyone come here to do the international shows qualify for olympics world games national championships whatever they're here for and um so right now we're working like sun up till sundown and then in the summer, it kind of, we kind of ease down as dressage riders. We don't show as much as like the show jumpers do. It's very busy days, very exhausting. So, <laughs> What about just in preparation of being an athlete when it comes time to, to staying in shape and fitness? What's the training that you do for that? Because I think a lot of people will be surprised at just how physically demanding it is, especially for your core. Yeah, it's super physically demanding and it's also really tough on your body because as dressage riders we have to have really good positions so we have to hold position in our body with you know shoulder hip heel alignment so basically like a straight line mm -hmm. all day long and that's really tough on your body so I actually do a lot of bike riding myself I don't want to do a lot of lifting weights I but pre-COVID I was doing a lot of that but I don't want to be buff I want to be more lean, long, light muscle, because that looks better in my opinion on a horse. So I do a lot of kind of cardio stuff. So a lot of bike riding. And then the riding itself is really physically demanding. So I think a really important thing is just taking care of your body. So I do a lot of um, chiropractic work. I go to this guy who specializes for dressage riders and he does I do like once or twice a week um, deep tissue massage with him and he does a whole stretching thing for dressage riders and that's helped a lot. Yoga and Pilates, I would say, are also really good because from holding a position all day 
you get a lot stiffer than you think. So anything to kind of loosen and limber up for me is really good. How did the training change over the last year, especially with restrictions in place? So we are super lucky. Um, we live in our bubble. <laughs> Nothing changed for us because the horses have to work. The horses have to be cared for. Um, so maybe we're not out on the road showing as much in the in the summers. So we really stayed here and just in Florida and just kind of normally we'd go up north for three months to escape the heat. But a lot of us just stayed here this year and just did the training at home and progressed our horses to the next level. So us so much weren't affected by the COVID and the lockdowns at all because we had to be working the horses and at work. So we're really lucky that way. Really lucky. It was great because we'd come home and because everything's closed and we're not doing any events, not doing for a while, we weren't doing any horse shows. Then we'd come home and go on really long bike rides or walks or whatever. Just we stayed really active. It was great. How about the emotional challenges of not showing and not having performances? Because that probably takes away some of your identity, right? You like to show, you like to, to perform in front of people. So not having that, how did you handle that? So luckily here also in Florida, um, we didn't really have a super long time not showing. And our federations, I think our sport thrives so much on the shows and it's how a lot of people make money. They really made it a priority to get us back at the shows as quick as possible, which was really nice. Um, I know like some of my friends that are on the US team and stuff had a, definitely a hard time staying in one spot because they're used to that going to Europe and going and doing the shows. And I think it, it was a little hard to stay motivated during that period, but with our sport, there's so many different levels and so much you can be generating and creating and improving on. It gave a lot of people time to nitpick on small things in their training that you maybe wouldn't have done yeah. when you're on the road so much and really um, dissect what kind of problems you're having and how to get to the other side of that a little better. So I know my horses from staying home, we, where I was working, they didn't want us to do any shows. So we stayed home for about four months and I felt like all my horses really improved and felt a lot better just from being able to take more time and not feel like we're having to get out there and in the ring, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. We have a lot more time to dissect really small things. Yeah. So and I, I think I learned a lot this summer. Anyone yeah. who's, who's ever worked with horses knows that there's a, almost a spiritual level of connection between horse and man. So how would you describe the relationship? And then with that, how do you establish trust with a new horse and develop that relationship? Yeah, so I'd say, you know, a lot of horses, um, they're like a lot of people. Sometimes you're just not going to get along with them for some people. I feel like my approach is I always try and make them really like me before we get really into the training. So um, I like to take a lot of time in the stable myself, getting to know them on the ground before, I mean, I'm getting on them right away and stuff, but I'm not pushing training issues right from the get-go. I feel like it's almost like peeling an onion, taking it layer by layer. And I think starting on the ground is a great way that I've gotten close with some of mine. And I'll say that there's ones that you connect with a lot more than others. I had a 
gray horse that I rode for an owner for four years. He was really successful horse. He pretty much made my whole career. And I would say that was my heart horse. We just like, I pulled into the barn every morning. He would peek his head out the window from his box and, and scream to me. Um, so when we lost that horse, he, he died in a kind of a tragic accident after a colic surgery. I had a really hard time for about a year trying to like get my head back into it. And that was, that was really a tough, tough kind of thing. Um, and I wasn't sure if I was going to continue riding or not um, at this level after that. But, you know, luckily I've gotten some other good horses in my life and now I have a really good new one that I feel like it took a, a, a year and a half from that one dying until the time I got this one to really feel that kind of a bond with another horse again. And it's, it's good to have that. And it's good to know that even with that kind of loss, there's, you can still have it again with other horses. So when you were having those doubts about continuing riding, what was it that pushed you through? Um, well, <laughs> just cause you know, really this is all I know. I left home at 16 and, um, you know, so I have a, a huge investment into my education and a huge, and like, I'm very involved in this world and a lot of connections. And, but I think what really pushed me through to the other side was, and especially I feel like COVID helped with this and staying in one spot for the whole year, which was great. Cause so we don't normally do that. Wellington is just seasonal. Um, it made me really evaluate what I wanted to do with my career and was the job I had at the time going to take me where I wanted to go? If not, what did I have to do to kind of achieve those goals? So I made a lot of really big changes this year and um, I feel like that just gave me a huge refresher plus this new horse and um, a new motivation, a new confidence. And I think that was all really important. Very um, cool. Yeah. And maybe, maybe losing that horse was um, a blessing in disguise in the end to make me really evaluate where I was going and what direction I was headed in. I love that it's been a productive year for you. And you mentioned that one of the things that you're doing now is you're also coaching and training and helping other riders as well. How has the coaching and the teaching aspect what has that taught you about the sport that maybe you didn't know before? I am very passionate about teaching. I'd say I enjoy it just as much as the riding. Um, it's now that I'm teaching more because my job before was I worked for as a private rider for a family. So I didn't have any customers. I came every day, had my paycheck, rode the horses there. And it was a great opportunity. They paid for so much education for me. Um, I rode really super horses. It was a phenomenal experience. Um, but now that I'm teaching other riders and stuff, it really, and now I'm on the ground more because before I was just on the horses with my person on the ground. And of course I watch, I have every ride video that I do every day and I watch them myself. But now being on the ground with other riders, I can kind of see problems with other riders that are happening and what they're doing to cause the problem and what works to really fix it from the ground. And then I can kind of translate that to myself so I can teach a lesson and 
everything I was just nitpicking that rider about, I can then take to myself, if yeah. that makes sense. And uh, nitpick that about myself. So it makes me a lot more aware of what I'm doing and what issues I'm causing and what I can be doing better. Piano, it's another major passion of yours. And you've mentioned in the past that in many ways it helps your writing. So can you elaborate more on that? Yeah, here's my piano behind me. Yeah, um, I saw it. I saw it. It looks wonderful. Um, so I don't play as seriously as I used to because um, I left home at 16. So, and before that, I was doing piano competitions and everything. Um, when I got this house a few years ago, my dad sent me my piano, which was nice. So now I'm playing more again. But, you know, dressage is a lot about rhythm, relaxation, tempo, smooth transitions, all stuff that you need through music. So I remember doing piano recitals and piano competitions when I was younger and I would get nervous and then I'd start kind of rushing through the songs. Kind of same thing when I compete with the horses, I'll, I'll want to start rushing through what I'm doing. So kind of the, the same issues you have personality wise kind of show in both. So, so this is, it, it's just good because it helps, it helps me know the rhythm and beat and especially when we get to the musical freestyles and stuff in our own competitions that we do. It, I think it co coexists well together. Um, the same posture you sit in on the piano, you need a good posture riding. So loose wrists riding, loose wrists for piano, you know. So I think it all kind of goes goes together well. When you're competing and if you do feel yourself speeding up because of maybe anxiety or something, what do you do to reset? Do you have a word that you say or a certain breathing technique? How do you reset your mind and your focus? So there is a sports psychologist called Laura King, and she works with a lot of the Olympic athletes. Um, she's really big down here. Um, and I used to have really bad show nerves, really bad show nerves. And I've worked through a lot of that a lot. And something really interesting is Laura King has this online thing you can buy. It's not necessarily for riders, but it is for people doing sporting events. And it's like a 30 minute meditation hypnosis kind of thing. Um, and what's interesting in there, she says, anytime you feel tension in your body or um, like your anxiety is getting high, if you see the color red, you'll relax. Well, at our competitions here, we have our white dressage rings and then there's letters at every, there's, you know, a bunch of letters down the side of the arena. And that's our, you know, our point. They'll give us like, you ride from this letter to this letter and you do this between those two letters. At every letter on the board, they have red tape on the boards now. Mm. So it's kind of at the show. So it's kind of interesting that she, she said that and I actually noticed that right away the first time after I did the hypnosis. So if I feel myself getting a little ahead of myself in the ring, I just look at that red tape and then I instantly relax. It's kind of interesting how you can train your brain to, to do that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. and now I really don't deal with, with any kind of show nerves at this point, which is really nice. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. A coincidence to it. Yeah. Now horses aren't the only animal that you're passionate about. <laughs> poodles and your dog standard poodles 
Yeah, and, can you tell uh, me about the, the, your relationship with the dogs? I know it's, I don't want to compare the two. They're equally as important. And Yeah, I also have a blue and gold macaw. You have a blue and gold macaw. Wow. Okay. And that has been a very huge learning experience in yeah. working with animals and figuring out how they work, which is translated to horses also. But yeah, I love, um, I do love the standard poodles. I just lost my male a few months ago, so mm -hmm. I'm down to one standard poodle. And what was his um, name? I saw your picture that you His name posted. was Levi. Levi, okay. Yeah. Um, and I think they are just really cool, very misunderstood dogs. They're not as frou-frou as everyone thinks. They're really smart and majestic, and I love that they don't shed. They don't have dander. Um, and I think they kind of go really well with – they're really good at the barn, so I bring them to work with me, and they just hang out all day long. So I really enjoy them. And how many do you have currently? I have one standard poodle and then my um, partner has two. We have two toy poodles together too. Okay. So, but I like the big dogs. So. And what are, and what are their names? Isla and Candy are our two little ones. So. And then your standard is? Mika. Mika. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Yep. Perfect. And then I have this blue and gold macaw. Um, after I lost that gray horse, we ended up with a, with a few parrots, actually. We rescued them, and working with the parrots has been really interesting because um, parrots have no desire to please you, um, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, yeah. they're very um, self-indulgent animals. <laughs> so working with them has been really interesting because you can't force them to do anything. You can't force yourself on them. Otherwise, you are going to get bit, and it is going to hurt really bad. Um, I don't know if you've seen a beak on a blue and gold macaw, mm -hmm. but they're pretty bad. So I have this 30 year old macaw that I rescued, um, after I lost that gray horse, it was just kind of a project. And I guess it was me looking to connect with an animal and she was supposedly locked in a cage for 20 years, not handled. She was all plucked, um, sunburned. So I had to start from scratch and tamer with basically no experience and watching um, YouTube videos. And it was a really cool learning and experience. And it really actually kind of helped me reevaluate what I'm, what I'm doing with the horses every day and mm -hmm. how maybe I can approach things a little differently with the training of the horses, kind of like I do with this macaw. Yeah. And uh, taking things a lot slower um, with her, like, kind of, as I was learning, teaching her how to literally step up onto my hand so I could transport her. Instead of, you know, sitting there for 30 minutes until she gets it, maybe get her to do it one time and then walk away and come back another time. And yeah. I think that really translates well to all the animals, actually. So Yeah, yeah. especially because they're all so different. What do you feel is the biggest lesson you've learned from the last year? And not even with dressage, just in life, because it's been a very challenging year. The lesson I've learned for the last year is to probably not waste time doing things that are not going to put me where I want to be. Um, and I know that sounds a little selfish, but I've always put, um, you know, the horses first, the people I work for before anything else in my life. Um, always making sure that the people I work for are happy and 
kind of letting what I want, you know, go to the wayside. And I'm not going to do that anymore. So, <laughs> so I really restructured my life this year and, um, and I'm figuring out a way to do this horse thing my own way on my own terms and getting the best education I can. So that has been the best thing for me this year. That's going to take me, take me a lot further. I feel compelled to say congratulations because I think that's a great Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It was a really, um, I'm not the best with change and it was a really kind of hard thing to do because where I worked, the people I worked for were like my family. I worked there five years. I was with their horses six days a week. I never took a single vacation when I worked there. I probably only took three sick days those whole five years. I was there day in, day out with their animals, with the staff we had and the family. So it was almost like going through a divorce or something. We're still really close and I'm still there every day involved. But now I'm, instead of working for them, I'm like an independent contractor. So fantastic. It works out well. Are you a reader? And if so, what's been the most memorable book of the last couple of years? Oh gosh, I am not a reader, but... I just actually started a book on tape. I'm going to tell you what it's called. I have okay. my phone because I won't remember. I just started it last night. Um, one, of the, one of my coaches who was a six-time Olympian and um, was the U.S. Olympic coach until recently um, told me I needed to read this book, so I'm going, to read, I'm going to listen to it on books on tape. Okay. And I can listen to it in my car, and it's called Getting the Love You Want. Okay. It's about, um, you know, relationships and why we have the relationships we do and how why we react ways we do and just kind of getting down to the bottom of that so i'm actually going to be kind of interested in that otherwise i'm not a big reader very cool well we'll have to to bring you back later in the year to chat about that to see how that's influenced you so what is next for you what do you have goals projects plans for the next few months or or the latter part of 2021 yeah, so I have this really special new um, six-year-old horse um, that came into my life as like a total blessing. And um, just right when I was getting ready to leave this job and I was most worried about having a horse to develop myself on and compete, and then this horse just fell into my life. And um, I'm, so I'm training him with um, our U.S. Olympic coach, and she really likes him. So my focus is bringing that horse into the FEI levels and ready to compete next year. He just did his first um, small competition last week really well. So now we're just going to develop his training. I've also um, been investing in some young horses. So baby horses. So I have one that is going to be ready to be rode soon. So I'll start him and kind of my new plan in life is to be buying all these young horses. And I know I can, I know I can train them, so train them and compete them and sell them and just kind of growing my new, my new business and my new customer base. Very cool. So that Very is cool. what I am focusing on. So awesome. it's, it's going to be a slow process, but um, I'm excited about it. A slow process, but a very enjoyable one. I yes. Already. <laughs> so how can people stay up to date with your career and follow along this journey? Um, pretty much I only do Instagram. And that's Adam J. Steffens. And uh, I post my show results, my student show results, and my stories. You can see lots of horses, birds, poodles. And um, 
also just in my daily life a little bit. And a macaw as well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was really fun. I learned a lot. This was great. Nice meeting you. I've actually listened to a few of your other podcasts over the last few days, and they're really good. Thank I you. like I like this kind of stuff and hearing about other people's journeys too. I love that you are finding value in all the things that have happened, even from from your dog passing to switching of careers and everything. It's fantastic. You're very introspective, which I appreciate and I admire. Oh, thank you very much. But just thanks for a day. This was really great. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Adam. Be sure to give him a follow on Instagram, Adam J. Steffens. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son.